Welcome to the very first episode of Roots of Creation. I'm Andy Rouse, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Dan Unaki Dan and Yake Hagstrom. How are you guys How's doing? Good, man. How are very we? good. So, uh, yeah, we're finally here. <laughs> and we're going to talk about, about time. All, all things Box Saga and a lot more down the road. We've spent yeah. a lot of time kind of discussing how to approach this. Heavy topic. Very it heavy topic. It's, it's, it's uh, one of the topics where you don't really know where to begin. Of course, one story should start from the beginning. But what I feel what we need to achieve is some kind of, you know, to give the box saga and the people surrounding the saga and it's almost a building block because it's about people and it's transferred between people. So to have as many people on as possible that uh, has been deeply associated with the saga and been at the scene in Finland and in Goa and, you know, this people who has been sitting with Igor is what makes me very curious about because those people, they are a big group of people who has been following the story since like the since the eighties when the story broke. So these are cur- curious people that has been following the sto- uh, the saga and and also built their own understanding. So what what I have in vision is trying to give them some, some sort of platform to come on because they are older and don't have the same kind of opportunities to work with technology and all of this. So I have, I have a question for you, Yake is when, when the saga came out in 1984, right? I think it's 1984. Yes. Uh, how was it received in, uh, in Sweden and then, did it did it go into the rest of the world or was it kind of consolidated into just that area well uh, the saga broke uh the story wasn't really good received uh it went on national television in finland with er it's on youtube and uh people in finland they have been having a really negative uh, tone uh, uh, to your and uh, only highlighting like what we can call negative for example his birth only that is a controversy because we could call it like incest mm-hmm. uh, something went wrong within the family the one who was supposed to be, be father to Eeyore he was killed in the with the Russians, when the Russians uh, took over Finland for a while and uh, they were killing off all the aristocrats, uh, those who could speak Swedish were was killed. And uh, he was one of them, got killed in the civil war conflict there. You could say like a civil war because it was big confusion in Finland during that time and people got killed. <laughs> and... Uh, so only from the beginning with Eeyore, there was a big controversy because it was meant to be like brother and sister. It was because the saga started with a brother and sister, uh, Freya and Freya, in the story. Mm-hmm. 
and they wanted to end it with the brother and sister also. So mm. only that is a big like controversy. And he was also like smoking a lot of pot, but people are like putting him in the drug folder, you know, only because of that. So you know how it is. Uh, it has been horrible here in the north against uh, any kind of smoking culture. Uh, since like the first world war, it started to become like this in the in the Scandinavia. So, yeah, but because Denmark, Denmark, the Danish have always been open to it. Yeah, I mean, I remember growing up and like Denmark was like the place you would go if you wanted to get high. Well, they have the Christiana, Christiana, but the, it's much more open. It's it's a culturally very much different. Uh, Denmark, they. Uh, they are much more liberal in that sense, yes. Mm, okay. Sweden is like they really got hammered with this anti-smoking propaganda that was coming from America mostly. So mm. that spread also to Finland because we are so close culturally and we have families on both sides often. So, yeah, it, it was... The right time and also a very, you know, strange time to come out with such a story. <laughs> Why do you think it was so ill-received by the Finnish people? Is because it seems like it's a story about about them. It's their yeah. root. It's their history. Like, why did they seem to object so hard to it? Just because of those things that you talked about right there. That uh, oh, well, he's just on drugs and he was incestuous yeah. and like a classic are those, character assassination. That's about yeah. It. Are, are those like the two biggest reasons or uh, did anybody like look into like what the history or what, what he's actually saying? It's hard to say. I don't know exactly. This is actually questions we could ask people who has actually been there, but okay. an overview uh, view on the entire thing is that uh uh, you know, because there are so much uh, controversial claims also that yeah. are upsetting, like the est already established view on things, you know. And this is in the 80s. I mean, today it's a bit more, you know, normal to have alternative views on things. But, yeah, you know, this like, is, uh, yeah, this like is a Christian in, questioning. In the 80s. It's like someone who's a Christian try you know being told about narcissism it's like they're going to reject it and you know Probably. disregard it entirely you know yeah they think christians think narcissism is evil satanism <laughs> it it has always been like a i i know the last time i spoke to michelle he told he told me like before you know <laughs> if there's a guy like in in uh, england or you know, it's very rare that someone is coming to you and uh, ask about Boxhaga. You know, it's a, it's it's a, such a rare thing. But now, the email is just, you know, there's so much interest around this now, and I think it's the right age also to bring it out even more in this new kind of format with the podcast and and mm -hmm. try to really fletch out what's, what the people has to say who has been sitting with Eeyore because everyone seems to uh, develop their own interests and aspects within the saga also, you know, 
for example, one guy is perhaps really good on the Viking age and the comparison with between the Finnish mythology and the more Scandinavian, what we call like Norse mythology, which is very similar to the Icelandic and all of this. So, so there's a lot of aspects and different time periods we can talk about and, but trying to fletch out as much as possible on, on the, but I want to have more like to give a person room to, to speak uh, what they want to, to bring out into the conversation because yeah, we will see where it leads. I, I mean, just to have the opportunity to come and talk about the box saga and we, could perhaps try to establish some kind of understanding, but it's so huge subject and there's a lot of videos out there and this, this book that people can read also. So yeah, we will see where it goes. I mean, we can do some kind of introduction, but I think the entire show will be one introduction. <laughs> in one Absolutely. Way. At least the first right, part yeah. of it, you know, the, our, our immediate goal is to, yeah, just kind of slowly explain explain it by way of, you know, a number of different angles and a number of different perspectives. And I think that's the only way to do it because the more we learn about it, the the bigger it gets, it seems, yeah. you know, the more land and time it seems to cover. Yeah. So that's, that's, really- uh, that's how it goes because yeah, it's, it's so like, like, uh, it's like, a Jim keystone. Used to, yeah, like Jim used to say, it's, it's the story behind all stories in one way. Uh, which is bold to say, and it almost, yes, it is. It it's sounds, um, yeah, it even sounds too big for its britches when, when it's called that, you know what I mean? But when you look into it, 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 I mean, we, we I would also like to, to have etymologists and linguists yes. on and yes. to, to see how relevant what we're all hyped about is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But I have to say, when it comes to the <laughs> linguistics, it's a really, a really punch in the face for a person who understands Swedish uh, or what they call root, because it's so, it's so uh, uh, embarked or uh, grounded into the land also with the, with the different namings of places and, you know, with uh, architecture, symbology, all this. If you if you go down to Stockholm, for example, it's just so much within just the, the naming of the places and the and what is left behind from the from from old, so to speak. It's it's and with the Swedish language also in the head, it, uh, really open up the Pandora's box. You could say it's a. But also the English English language is very close to it, or, and uh, has many ties into it. But to go really on the depth, you we need to have people who are also understand Finnish, mm-hmm. both uh, Swedish and Finnish are the languages that are like the closest to the to the box saga, you could say, or the substantiated more. So we can. <laughs> it would be nice to try to uh, substantiate it into the English also. Like we sit and speak English so people can understand, but 
try to <clears throat> keep it in English as much as possible so we can all <laughs> follow this. <laughs> it does seem like um, what people are often calling word magic is yeah. um, becoming more of a popular theme in our Western yeah. kind of alternative thinking podcasts and, and content. Uh, it keeps coming up. There's a lot of people that are writing books about it. And what they're talking about are puns and what puns really are like focusing on the frequency of or the sound of what we're saying and that regardless of the language that we're speaking we can tie these these words together as if it's part of a story of with some kind yeah. phonetics with phonetics right? <laughs> but every word has yeah. its history i mean mm. every word has its root also so mm -hmm. uh, as a linguistic my sh myself or I'm, I'm very interested in sound and that's how i even came into the book so mm -hmm. because it's all based on sound and understanding and breaking down words and it's a thing that you can do on your own don't need a book too much and uh, i think it's it has great uh, as a content creator myself and with inspiration and to have this kind of uh, background with understanding where, you know, the basics of the box saga also uh, sparks some kind of interest in uh, developing your own, like how you express yourself and try to be like correct with symbolism because it's so much in the symbolical word uh, world, you can say with the, and I think as a musician or an artist and all of this, it's, uh, it's crucial to understand what you are presenting on us. You know, it's, a uh, because it's, it, it, it's, uh, it sort of, uh, it sort of brings this understanding within the universe also that is incorpor incorporated into the box saga with the, what they call like logic and, uh, it's 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 just uh, what you call empowering, uh, because uh, that's what uh, the issue for me really was. I wanted to get down to like this is something I can trust uh, when when working with like music and and sound in general, you know. And the box saga just has presented all the sounds, you know. And all the understandings of each sound, you know, it's it's such a it's such a powerful tool in modern world, also that you can use in in, in your daily life. Also, you know, it's it's not something obscure that we are going to talk about some weird uh, different Ritual. take on history or anything. You know, it's something that <clears throat> that also affects your life at least my life in in many many ways you know it's uh, mm. understanding the the western culture at all you know where where do we come from and what type of culture did we have before the christian world and all of this i mean it in many aspects the box saga is very raw and very <laughs> like it can be a little bit much with the procreation system but when you start to understand why and why it is or i mean if it has been that way mm. it, you know if you start to ask that question at all you know it's just what was the hidden 
the pagans, what, what, what did they do? I mean, it's very interesting when you start to get into it because uh, start to get a better understanding on, on, on the heritage that we, that we have also, especially when you come out here from the North and Scandinavia and the European well, culture, so to speak. Right now in history, heathens are just uh, savage people who yeah. you know, barbarians, barbarians yeah. no, ma- no manners and just crude, you know, overbearing warrior people who use magic and hate everybody that doesn't <laughs> How do you know? Like, I don't it's know. It's the Catholic rhetoric right there. Yeah, it's it is. It's a doctrine of the Catholic Church to reject all of it. So, yeah, witchcraft. Witchcraft is evil. Everything which... we got, everything we took from these people, yes, don't look at anything they're holding on to. <laughs> right. Basically. Yeah, just believe what we say, mm-hmm. and that's what's what's right. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a. Uh... It's sort of a bring. I mean, we are like metalheads. You could categorize us. Yes. I mean, there's some kind of because we can see in the metal world, world is a some kind of a rebellious approach, mm-hmm. very feral. But the symbolism is a lot about you know goats and uh, those strange symbols with the pentagram and the seven point star and all of this and. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know. It's for me. This is some kind of a cry out, almost. You know, it's a uh, it's the anti-Christ version. You know, with the you can see it started in Norway there with the Vardvikenes and and this black metal. You know, and all of this uh, this kind of thing that erupted here in 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 the north. And it's not too long ago. It's very. But I come from that, you know, with the fuck the system, fuck everything. Everything is just, I don't understand it at all. Yeah. It always seemed to me that that was the music that was appropriate for that way of thinking. And I didn't understand people that didn't get, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's just, uh, (laughs) I think a lot of my interests come from that outsidership. You know, you want to... You see that something is wrong, and uh, at one point you don't even want to be a part of it, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just this kind of rebellious. I don't know. It's just uh, they say it's uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know. But <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, thinking where we come from a little bit, because that's what we uh, have in common in many ways. And it's interesting that we also sort of slided into the interest of the box saga because it's sort of uh, putting a bandage on the rebellious side in me, at least, <laughs> you know, so so we can now, at least I can understand a little bit more about like the Swedish history and where we come from and what has been happening and what's worth fighting for and it's so the- on. It's the first alternative story I've heard ever in my years of researching weird things that has felt this personal, yeah. which it's like an undeniable feeling that I can't entirely explain. No, it's uh, that's the thing with the box saga. It's very personal. 
it's very it becomes very per- personal because if you speak language you're you should probably get into it <laughs> yeah because i think it's more uh, for like the western people because mm. uh, if you go down they if you go down more to the south like in india for example you know they have thousand years of history on the paper and egypt and but the, the scandinavia is like a we had the vikings and no one knows what happened before that it's it's mm. like they came like, out of nowhere yeah they came out of nowhere just a big bang and so big bang I, I, of vikings it, yeah so it gives a big substantial uh, substantiate into the the holes of history and i have never heard any other like theory that are so uh, substantiated because I went really much into the Norse mythology and it's mm-hmm. very sh- shallow. And I found out that <laughs> it's like a, it has been uh, institutionalized, the, the mythology mm-hmm. and it's nefarious forces that are like the shop front for the, for the Norse mythology. And I personally has been dealing with th- those forces they wanted to recruit me into this and uh, uh, I rejected it straight away and was even more confirmed that there's something wrong with the, the mythology that are being presented. And uh, the box saga was the only other alternative anyway. And we can see that they're a little bit different in the folklore also in Finland. And I know that Tolkien was very inspired that uh, wrote the Lord of the Rings was very inspired by the Finnish folklore. A lot of his work uh, are drawn like from tales and stories from Finnish folklore. Uh, So it's very interesting to try to dig in to the Finnish mythology Mm -hmm. because uh, it's not so much that has been done on it anyway. And this is like from the the root canon. I know even know that on paper, Eeyore's family, like Eeyore Box family, was the oldest family living in Finland. Like even on paper, mm. and uh, they have been in, uh, having, you know, the Box family has been a family that uh, has been uh, in in the center, so to speak. It, uh, I know that uh, this uh, Gustav Mannerheim, which is a really, really prominent character in Finland, who who uh, defended, he created this army, the White Army, they call it, uh, and defended against the Russians. And they even one of the Bok family, like Eeyore's grandfather or someone, sat with this Mannerheim and smoked pipe, and you know, you know, it's a small country. And uh, they have been uh, having a lot of influence, this Bok family, even up to the modern age. And it's quite interesting Mm. if you start to fletch it out. So do we want to get into the claims of the Bok saga? Yeah. Yeah, let's... uh, I wanted to say something first, though. Sure. And and that's uh, the reason why... What got me into the saga was the fact that I was just trying to look at history from a history point of view without like the religion, 
without the aliens and without that stuff and see if I could find something that could explain human history without all the woo-woo shit that we get <laughs> shoved down our throat like we do. Or the, or the mainstream shit. Yeah, or and I think... Both are bullshit. <laughs> and when I ran into the box saga, it seemed to really define all those things as natural progressions through time rather than these big grand spiritual type encounters and stuff. I mean there's spiritualism in it but it's not in the way that you see projected in Christianity or Catholicism or any of the other ones and then it shows the connections between all of those to it and that's what makes me go oh well shit if you can get connections from all of these back to the saga then maybe the saga was the root source and then when you start to go through the box saga and you start to listen and hear the actual, you know, things, they start to click and make sense in your head. You know, like even the out of Africa story has been proven to be wrong that we didn't all come out of Africa. So if not Africa, where did we all come from? You know, that's a big question. And the box saga answers that question. For me, it was um, so a long time ago, I read a fictional series called Domain, and I'm going to have to read them again. And I'm going to be very curious about the author this time because, um, you know, he was writing about an alien encounter that's coming in 2012. And I read it before 2012 and connecting it back to the Mayans and the South American areas and the whole tall, white, blue-eyed gods idea. And it was just fictionalized, but it got me curious about the Mayans. And that's what got me down those rabbit holes back then. And all these years later, after I've completely lost so much faith in any extraterrestrial uh, themes or agendas that are being pushed out there, and I find a lot of it laughable or corrupt, um, the box saga has come in and pieced together that bizarre part of our story in a much more down to earth way. And it's, that's what's freaked me out. But if I can say <laughs> the, the more wild part about what got me into box saga that really stood every single hair on my body on edge was that I have, I used to do psychedelics and, uh, not ashamed to say that because they did, gave me a lot of perspective on things, but one crazy trip when I took way more than I probably should have, I came out of it sounding like a complete crazy person saying, I think there's a secret story hidden inside syntax itself. And all my friends who were there tripping with me thought I was nuts. They, Oh yeah, the drugs are, <laughs> the drugs are intense. And I had to, I had to let it go on the outside, but I had been thinking about that forever. And it's like an internal, external, as above, so below kind of thing. And when Box Saga came in and I learned about that phonetic aspect of it, it just completely, it was like a, like a classic, uh, movie acid flashback. You know what I mean? Mm. It just completely took me out of where I was. And what's one of the alien 
races that people talk about is the Nordics. Right. How interesting that there's even a Nordic in the alien belief system. So maybe it's not necessarily an alien. Maybe it's a a remnant of memory or Mm. maybe, or maybe there's still some type of, Nordics that live on their ground that have technology. I don't know. I mean, that's going way <laughs> off into the fucking weeds, but I of mean, of course, you know what I mean? But we'll explore those kinds of things down further down the road. You know, I think just yeah. to give the audience an idea of what we're doing here, we're going to, we want to set the stage and give an introduction to box saga in a new way and have as many intelligent guests on that have been close to the box saga as possible. And then, you know, once we've done that for a while, and once we feel like we've kind of really drawn the perimeters around it, at least to the best of our wisdom at that point, we can start to bring in other parts of history because that's where the box saga really takes flight too, is where yeah. we connect generation to generation. We follow words and names from one place to another through time and culture. And that's what really engraves the box saga into everything else. And it's hard to look away at that point. You know? Yeah, that's at the point uh, where it, when it gets like really interesting. If like if you have a subtle, like a good understanding of the box saga, and you have like, I've been into the saga for like seven years now, and that's that's not even a long time, but I have enough understanding that I can like take a leap or I can research for myself and start to test the story. That becomes very natural. And I think this is when it's getting interesting because it's sort of a theme with the people that are getting into the saga that they are starting to think for themselves. Also, <laughs> it's not like that you have the one guru. Of course, you can have like Eeyore sitting and talking for hours and hours and just repeating the story, but that's only in the perfecting. And uh, there's some kind of. Uh, uh, I think it's a really good thing to go through it because if you make like a little mistake, then you can correct it the next time and you can, you know, it's, it's the, in the oral tradition way, you know, to repeat and repeat and repeat, repeat, because you can, you can take it down to such a, a fundamental level where you only go through the sounds and you build a story around the sounds that are coming out. Like this becomes almost like a mantra or some kind of, you are not like a, I mean, you are the vessel for the saga, and uh, it sort of speaks for itself when you have the sounds correct in your in your brain and associations and all of this. But in the more modern age, when we have like computers and we can research, we can go into archives and like go into the small details. With especially when you look at the his, historical claims that the box saga have, I mean, it is such a red thread. I like to call it the red thread because it, it's really one red thread. It's the royal thread. It's, uh, this is, uh, the knowledge that the knowledge of kings, I used to call it. It's, this is the kind of knowledge that a high king would have, like the box saga mythology, because it gives such power. You can create new words. You can, when you understand the fun- fundamentals in, how the language is created, you can sort of also 
create new words and uh, or develop. Manipulate it. Yeah, you can manipulate. You can do whatever. But this understanding is quite dangerous. But I think it's uh, it's a gift to the world from the Bok family, and that was the purpose from the beginning uh, with Eeyore. So he was destined to do this for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. So we can yeah, even think- call it a technology and say it's only dangerous in the wrong hands. You know, manipulation. Yeah, right. But it's be better to right. have as many people as exactly. uh, aware of it because then people wouldn't be controlled as easily mm-hmm. either. Exactly. It's like magic, right? It's the same themes we talk about on a number of other shows where it's, <clears throat> you know, uh, if the world knew the entire story, then the secrets wouldn't have any power, you know, that whole thing. I think that's an important part too, is a lot of people are like, well, how come just now this box saga thing is coming out? And I think it's because for a long time throughout all of history, it's always been an oral tradition. They've never had to write it down. And then when Christian or Catholicism came, they destroyed a lot of their texts and a lot of their belief system because they wanted to um, destroy that belief system. So when you go, Hey, how come there's so much history missing over here? Well, cause it got destroyed. It got burned and there was no, there was no books to keep it going. And that knowledge didn't exist anymore. No. So this is like a, a renewed, a refound, knowledge and a, a peek back into history that we, we people haven't seen before and it's uh to me it's like that missing piece of the puzzle that everybody's been looking for for so yeah. long hmm. and and finally putting a- <laughs> that missing piece back in really like gets you to see the whole picture in a different way in a different light and hey boy it makes your awareness <laughs> and understanding so much deeper wait a minute i thought i thought there was there was another alternative history story that was already the missing piece that's been (laughs) suddenly found over the past few years what's that one what's that one uh tartaria right oh tartaria that sounds just the way you explain box saga sounds eerily familiar because that's the way tartaria is being pushed 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 yeah, as the yeah. missing piece well we it's not the found it. it has been there but it has been like we call hidden or hidden yeah hidden and hidden is very <laughs> the same oh thing. is it the same yeah probably so it's like the same as like Makes sense. Uh, okay it was uh, hid- it was hidden I'll call or hidden esoteric hidden. very the pronunciation is very very much the same, almost like hidden and hidden, hidden, hidden. Even it's mm-hmm. pagan. Pagan has a similar, I mean, without the P at least, but has yeah, the but same uh, phonetic. It has been hidden. They they were hiding it in plain sight. Uh, mm. So let's get into the claims. I, I suppose we should start doing that. Yeah, let's do that. All right, I'll share that screen. So there's Mr. Eeyore right there. Yes. Your Bach. So, how do you guys want to do this? Do you, should we? We're, we're probably not going to just bullet point them real fast. We'll probably have to expand on it a little bit. 
yeah, from a place to bit. place. Yeah. But um, the first song, the first claim is that the first boy and girl, Frey and Freya, came from an ape copulating with a female goat. And the next one. <laughs> 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 yeah, what that's a pretty deep say? one, but you have to think that that was probably millions of years in the past. Uh, the first man and first woman coming from uh, a goat and a and a ape. Um, so to think of it in like a newer form and just like 5,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago, it, it's way, 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 way long time ago, you know, yeah. uh, into the millions. Yes. Hundreds. Hundreds of millions. So when you think about it that far back, it's not so crazy. And, and the fact that there are different bloodlines and there's a bloodline that doesn't come from, you know, a rhesus monkey is a very interesting thing. And that deserves further research and understanding also um, in the future. With us. I, I, yeah. I, the future, perhaps this may have to be a whole episode where we calm people <laughs> down about it or, you know, please let us explain why we still went further after knowing this. You know what I mean? Because I know that <laughs> yeah. this is a controversial part. I mean, of but you we, can also talk about the fact this. that uh, ch- children are called kids and a, right, a kid right. is a baby goat. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of goat symbology in the way that we do think even even the beard, the Billy, the goatee is a Billy goat beard. Right. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. The, there's that symbolism too in Egypt with the billy goat beard uh, that the pharaohs wore. So there's there's a lot of goat symbolism, and we see it with uh, that con- the constellation. Uh, what constellation is that? Capricorn or Sagittarius? I can't remember. Capricorn. Capricorn. Right? I think it's yeah. Capricorn. And so you, it's even in you know the the zodiac. So. I, I think that's it gives it a little bit of credibility from that standpoint. And then from a genetic standpoint, a lot of people believe that humans themselves came from some type of ape and pig hybrid. Uh, I mean, I know that's a big thing. The the human pig hybrid thing, uh, THC has done things on it. I think Grimerica has done things on it. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, a pig comes from a goat they're in the same species class together. So I think the most uh, compelling thing is that the Christians with the, in the Bible that the, the, you know, the image or of the, (laughs) of the Satan, you know, and all this. Yeah. With the, with the, that you have such a bombardment against something, Mm. uh, a type of, uh, because if you look into the old Testament and there are like instructions to for the priests what to look out for if they want to spot like a heathen and you know this uh, bastardization or what you want to call it of the symbol of the of the goat. Only yeah, that yeah. rings so so much bells uh, within me because it's so plain into the open what they are want uh, what they want to combat because heathens are like the worst. <laughs> like like in the instructions for in the Quran for example a christian is okay 
they can work underneath you and be some kind of a slave for you. Mm. But but uh, if if there's a heathen, it's uh, head off instantly. You know, it's um, you can see how the religious side as really trying to demonize the goat symbol and and those uh what we call like wicca or uh, yeah yeah this kind of a more uh natur- naturalistic uh, uh thinking and so don't they use like goat heads in uh in like the mob the mob uses like goat heads to like send what messages, messages. yeah to, yeah that's that is something they do often use and yeah, not go. only <clears throat> well it's interesting in the godfather how the the guy gets the the horse's head in his bed mm-hmm. but that's not the same symbolism there but i mean it is a farm animal <laughs> and also you have to think goats goats live on the mountain tops right on the sides mm-hmm. of mountains and on the tops of mountains and the heathen people are said to come from the hills or the mountains, you know, also. So it, it also connects in, in that way. Yeah, it's uh, it's so symbolical, everything. And uh, that's what we need to... For me, it's very plain and clear with the symbology, because if you work a lot with symbolic, if you, you know, try to work with it in paintings and so you start to get a really good eye and uh, maybe we can do something in the future when we're trying to get more symbolism and more visual, yeah. but I don't know. It, it's something later on. Yeah. Going into the symbolism and, yeah. and perhaps having some people on that are um, real, real professionals with Gnosticism and, and Western esoterics and things like that, because they use all that symbolism that we're talking about but they it it ends at a certain point it ends with hermes or or this or that it ends with the history that we've already kind of been familiar with for yeah. quite a while you know what i mean where we're taking it much further there's been a lot of images jacques that you've shared with uh dan and myself uh that you found that you know are archaeological finds that you know just show the symbolism going way further back in Scandinavian prehistory that is just connected directly to more modern yeah. Freemason, you know, uh, like, uh, what is it? Uh, you know, the, uh, the grail and, and stuff like that, the, the Templars. Yeah. It's, it's all connected right up to where more, you know, these symbologists kind of start their sagas and their, their ideas about these symbols. So, mm-hmm. This is going to take things a lot further back, and maybe we can connect these things better. And the best thing we can connect uh, from cultures all over the world, because mm-hmm. uh, there are like a universal symbolism that uh, can be explained within the book saga. Very good. So uh, th- there's a lot of topics to get into and that we can look into. But I think uh, the most important thing is to try to substantiate the idea and the understanding uh, as an oral uh, thing. Right. Uh, it's called uh, as a saga in Swedish is to saw is to like say something and ga is to uh, like to give. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's something that has to do with receiving and giving. It's a, mm. 
that repeats itself. Uh, it's a it's a saga. That's what a saga is, you know. So that's the first step, I think, in trying to fletch out this story. I mean, we can sit and talk on podcast and have references that are so far out within the box saga, but they are coming from the box saga understanding. Mm. Uh, so uh, me, for an example, everything is like substantiated from the saga because it's so, it's so, it's the red thread that I'm talking about that is presented within the saga mm. that are so hard to look away from because it can give this substantiation into the course of history and uh, that's a very very valuable i think in understanding the past um, absolutely yeah okay we'll move on uh so yeah. that the box saga is coming from frey and freya and passed down from generation to generation in the form of an oral tradition so that's what we're saying uh, that yeah. apart from Frey and Freya, all human beings are born from sperm and egg and all animals from embla and egg. So there's a difference there. And that doesn't give anybody any idea of what that is, of course. <laughs> but um, we could also talk about how they connect the sperm to God and the sun. Yeah. And, Consciousness. Right. And the source of consciousness in this saga is the sun, and they call it Odin. And this is sort of where the idea comes from with the with the with the goat and the ape, also that it was some kind of div- uh, divine intervention that within the sperm, this uh, sort of under we call it or the breath when we breathe, it's it's some uh, it's like it come from the outside via this North Pole energy. I don't know. This is very like metaphorical and uh, mystical, mm. but why they say that man has sperm and not embla is that because we have a part of the sun within us that allows us to speak and have this kind of structure with the with the phonetics and all of this that is an aspect of the sun. Another because name in, for in one way, the the sun is a big loudspeaker. In one way, you know, it's a the mm. universe mm. projector. In this song. And another name for the sun is soul, S-O-L. Yeah. So we get our soul from the sun. The mm. sun is the soul. And per sun, person, it's yeah. a, yeah, it's, mm. we have it in the, in the naming also. With the, but that, that's a, that's a, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, but it's just to right. <laughs> clarify the thinking a little bit. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we can get into all the details here. I mean, I, I didn't realize the, the, uh, the claims were so specific to all the details of the story, but, <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, every boy and girl cut becoming seven years of age began a daily rite of drinking their own sperm and sap <laughs> yeah. that men and women were offered and collecting sperm and sap that in the original procreative system, it took at least 22,224 people to create one child. That the original military system was a procreative yeah. and not a destructive organization. I just said exactly. a lot of things. 
<laughs> yes, but uh, this is what the what is really like the hard thing uh, is about this system with the with the fluids, so to speak. But uh, it has an it has to do with the sun creation that uh, because this it's like this one instance when the sh- when the sun is intervening or Odin or the all creator or what do we want to call it that makes humans special. And that's why they preserved the, the sperm. That it was so important for them to not like throw it away. Because the sun power or the Odin was contain- contained within the sperm. You know, this is what the uh, the elevation of the sperm, like in concentration. That's why it takes two uh, twenty over twenty two thousand people to make one child. That's why. It, they wanted to compress the sun power or the soul power that they say as much as possible. So they can create, like elevate the human race through each generation. So we doesn't lose the soul power that was given from Odin from the beginning. And this is sort of the idea behind the, the entire system, but there's so much other aspects into it because it affects like the immune system within the herd or you can, you'd see that there's so many aspects within this kind of system mm. and the, the entire structure seems to be based upon it. Uh, you know, right. <laughs> from the very beginning. <laughs> it just, and yeah, and this is the part that is the hard part, the hard swallow, no pun intended, <laughs> for a lot of people to to get because they look at it from a very contemporary point of view um, and it just seems immediately like, you know, something you yeah. teach a child or this or that. I don't know how to get around that and I, I it's... I feel like we have to address the modern perspective, but at the same time also kind of allow people to understand. It's like these were primitive ideas from people without perhaps another system telling it what, telling them what to do. How, how can we, how can we frame this for people that are like, what, am I listening to that haven't, (laughs) that haven't heard. I know some of our listeners have gone down already and have understood this part of the saga and probably have moved on. But just for those who haven't, what would you guys, what got you past this part? What's the, what's, what's the takeaway from this? Uh, Understanding the reason behind why they would do this. Um, Mm. I think uh, Yake put it, put it pretty well when he was talking about, you know, absorbing that soul energy and trying to keep that soul energy alive through the generations, uh, survival of the fittest, if you will, like, you know, doing this, absorbing all of this sperma and then contextually putting it into a new child because of the way that they, their birthing system was only the last child would have children and procreate. And so by uh, taking all of this energy, you know, people talk about that orgasmic energy uh, is probably coming from the sperm itself too, is, is what's giving it that energy. And that's like the big bang too, you know, the big, a lot of people say the big bang is wrong, but in one way you could look at it like, 
all of that energy coming together into one body mm. and then all of that energy going out of that body into a new body into a baby and when right. you see it in that sense you can understand it better than just some type of weird sexual perversion you have to take the sex out of it that's a modern kind of perspective uh, if yeah. this was still going on today that may be a different circumstance i don't know i mean it's it's a weird it's a very weird part of it because it's such it's so far out of our culture you know yeah but that's the well, that's the wall it's not what's normal in any way if you look at the today's situation and look well, how especially from, with from, who uh, sorry. how far from they look how far from nature we have become mm-hmm. well also some of the bad examples of you know uh how should i say you know the people that are in control of things that are said to be involved in certain ritualistic behavior that mirrors some things like this you know what i mean but I, I'm thinking like this. People are talking about like the elite is eating babies and all of this. <laughs> or, you know, yeah, but abusing the, them sexually or this or that. And Would going- it be better if it was like this way that the elites are eating babies, but in this uh, tiny, tiny format where it's in the sperm, you know, it's it's sort of the it's sort of the same thing they are talking about. But this is uh, eating children, but in sperm format and the. Uh, I mean, I rather had this than some kind of blood sacrifice, <laughs> eating children, yeah, stuff being rolled out. I mean, but uh, if you really think about this, uh, if everyone uh, in one society would exchange fluid in one sense or another like this, it would affect the collective immune system of the herd. Also, I think so. There will probably not be any pandemic if we would have this kind of system active. I think. Right. Uh, so <laughs> it has many aspects to it, but it's it's so far from what's normal today. But right, we live in such a perverse society today. I think it's even worse than than uh, <laughs> worse. I say, but I, f- <laughs> I think <laughs> why would people think this is, would be strange in this dying age or what you say? <laughs> it's just. Uh, <laughs> right. I think even biblically they talk about not wasting your seed and uh that's why they they believe that you should not masturbate or anything Celibacy. like that too and you should only use it for procreation. Right. So it's not too far off from the Christian idea or the You're Catholic right. idea because Yeah, that's they, even I mean, better than to just throw it all around the place now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also also in eastern traditions, you know, they have the practices of of you know holding on to that that's the 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 fluid but having your orgasmic experience separate from it and yeah. it's a meditative practice of this and that so it's T- similar uh, tantra? It's, yeah tantra is it's still holding on to it it's not orally eating it but you think about the origins of yoga perhaps in relation to this practice as well you know so yeah. that that must tie in because you have to be a kind of a yoga master to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they start so early. I don't think they drink from themselves until, you know, it's time. But 
I understand. And the, okay. and the sauna part is also like uh, a connection to this uh, because in the sauna, in the hot sauna, you, you are getting more flex, flexible, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you're out in this uh, cold uh, yeah. climate and all of this. Mm-hmm. That's true. Th- that goes into the fact, too, that, uh, you know, like heat kills off certain sperm. Um, mm-hmm. They say that. Oh men's sperm are stronger and withstand the heat but uh women's sperm are faster and more nimble but die off easier um and so uh there's like methods to like try to have a baby boy is by you know keeping the sperm overly warm so it kills off the female sperm so you can have a boy Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has something to do with the sauna effect too mm-hmm. of like getting the sperm hot so it uh produces stronger men. Wow, that kind of makes me think cuz I've been questioning like how in the saga they talk about a certain amount of boys and a certain amount of girls as offspring. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it seems like that's an important those are important numbers, but how how could they depend on that? But it's almost like a like a natural form of of genetic engineering. Yeah, it's <laughs> they are masters at at the genetics. I mean, no, yeah, no technology needed. I mean, these people who lived up here, they have been almost all nature has been coming out from the from from the creation or with the assist of human beings. Uh, if you really go into the saga, because after the ice age, the entire Scandinavia was scraped clean. You know, there was nothing here. Yeah. And, guess... uh, yeah, we don't need to go into it, but it's a, it's really interesting when you go into, because it seems to be a lot about genetics and uh, manipulating uh, or breeding, you could say. Mm. Like uh, taking, uh, like breeding forth uh, animals that uh, are needed mm-hmm. and uh, plants, and I think they did the same with the human being a little bit. Uh, you know, it's a very it's a breeding program, and it sounds terrible today, but this seems to be the case. It seems to be one that the people themselves were completely on board with, not in a controlled or manipulated kind of way though it's that everyone was a a cog in the machine kind of in in kind of like a good way not necessarily in the way we would interpret that nowadays Mm -hmm. i get the feeling that people were created for a purpose mm. that was already foreseen so when you you are groomed into or not groomed but you are you are created for a purpose and you already have a purpose when you are born mm-hmm. and uh, people could like, Oh, that's, that sounds horrible, you know, but uh, if you, if you ask me, I would be more comf- comfortable with like something like that and have to choose and uh, be very until you're like 30 when you find your place, you know, <laughs> it's well, maybe- also when you look through history and you look at surnames, Usually it's because of whatever occupation that person yeah. carried. Right. And if you go through time, you, you realize that that 
kind of occupation stayed within that family. Yeah. And it had been a family thing for a long time and they got better and better at it. Mm-hmm. And were able to do better things with that occupation or that trade or that skill that they had because it was passed down through the family line and through the sperma in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, it's the ancient way. Yeah. Because it eleva- uh, elevates each generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, we can go further. Yeah, let's go further. That the human beings on our planet were one tropical race and spoke one language, which was called Vaughn language, and had one global information system before ice time. That root is the name of the first natural language and what all so-called Germanic languages of today directly come from. That root language is an anatomical language. And that the Vaughn language, today's Finnish, was the first language created out of the natural root and is the root of all other languages. Yeah. Uh, I can keep going just because we can kind of wrap this all into our talk (laughs) afterwards. That in the alphabet of the root language, there is a meaning and a mark for every sound. That stories relating to the saga were kept secret within the family from 1248 AD until 1984 AD. Um, That the shapes of the root alphabet and astrological symbols are not created by humans, but come from a mathematical system based on one and zero pole and ring or stave and circle the box saga explains all mythological symbols on the planet (laughs) and that the original north pole was where helsinki is today with the earth's axis perpendicular to the sun should i stop you guys stop me all right stop right there and let's go to the the language part yes yeah, we are one so tropical race, that one The human beings on our planet were one tropical race and spoke one language and had one global information system before ice time, which means that this whole Babylon story didn't happen until after ice time. That's how I interpret that. Because <laughs> the Babylon story is the mixing of all the languages, right? So before there was one language that everybody knew. And then after that, all all the language systems were mixed up. Yeah, they are talking about those ten tropical kingdoms, uh, which uh, developed uh, separately to the Aser. Uh, when mm. uh, you know we had the ice age, ice age up here, it's quite clear for people. But it's a uh, it's sort of the idea that we had at least, or uh, there was fewer languages before. Uh, you know, those uh, tropical kingdoms, they got separated from this hub or the this global civilization they are talking about, that we were all linked in and we spoke one language across the entire globe, but the Ice Age sort of crushed the Asgard or the Midgore or Helsinki or Hell. It sort of disconnected the rest of the planet from this central hub that were uh, like linking together the entire planet into one culture. And uh, that's that's sort of the story of the Babel that uh, we, we uh, yeah, the tower. sort of uh, got separated from the root and yes. uh, developed 10 tropical languages, uh, which is could pr- probably be the case because this is straight out of the mythology I'm, I'm speaking. But uh, 
Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting when you start to go into this and trying to put the puzzle pieces together with the language. Also, mm-hmm. it's it's a massive job, but <laughs> you can find certain words in every language that go across the board, especially those words that are a little bit more intime or a hush hush words like the female uh, clitoris, for example. If you Google this clitoris, we say in Swedish, Swedish, it's the same throughout each lang- major language, uh, this, this clitoris word. And how come it's the same across the board? It's such a non-used word. Mm-hmm. And you can see how those kind of words that are a little bit hush-hush, especially after the religious takeover, you know, it becomes like a little a little gift for us now with the... But when we try to, <laughs> try to test the story, women, huh? yeah, if, if you take the Google <laughs> Translate and just type in the clitoris, you will find it's the, pro- it's the same. It's such a complex word anyway. I mean, <laughs> and talk about, talk about Tor too. The Tor. Yeah, clitor. Tor. Uh, yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the little Tor. The, yes. Because you can scratch it, and kli is to is, is to scratch. It's the kli tour, clitoris, or re s. You can sort of it's a it has to do with the sun and sperma and and, and this kind of thing also. It's a and then what's the, the male version is of penis? What's that called? It's Thor's hammer. Thor's hammer. Yeah, the tour. Thor's hammer. So you have the big Thor and the little Thor. Yes. <laughs> 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 it's sort of the idea so everyone that go around with the Thor Sammer acting all cool you know mm-hmm. it's just a symbol that he's the most sensitive sensitive guy <laughs> is that like the, the, can we relate that cosmically to, to the Big Dipper and Little Dipper <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> the Ursa Major and Ursa Minor and then the North Star in the North Pole. I never thought about it in that sense. (laughs) No, I think it's important that, you know, we address the fact that the box saga has a lot of what we would consider in modern times as like sexual symbolism, but it's specifically because, I mean, consider a proto human, like that's the perspective I have about it. It's like, just consider people, on the planet with no rules and no understanding and no indication of what to do next. You'd be in inspecting your body first, and then you'd yeah. be inspecting your immediate surroundings, but you don't know what to do with the parts of your body beyond what, you know what I mean? I, I'm, maybe I'm not explaining it the right way, but it's, it's like, that's why it's all in here. It's not because it's some perverted thing. No. I guess I'm just, I have, um, I, I'm, just trying to get that across to anyone that's hung up on that idea. Cause we have run into people like that, that can't get past this part of it. And I think it's so crucial to get beyond this whole sexual part of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. People often talk about the, the baskets, right? The hand, hand baskets or whatever. Uh, in one way, I think that was probably uh pine pollen and pine tree, uh, pine pollen and pine cone. But in another way, I think that maybe it could have carried um, the sap 
which is the tree sap of you know the pine Mm -hmm. which is also the sperma Mm -hmm. and that they were anointing people with the sperma and the pine cone to signify that they're ready for procreation i think that has maybe something to do with that aspect also i'm not 100 percent sure i can only speculate on that but that's kind of you know what i'm starting to see so yeah, it's, it's so much to get into you know it's a yeah. yeah yeah and we can focus more on the language and yeah the language that, that deserves is, its own whole thing and the military system it's other whole thing right of course um and you know the suggestion that the box saga explains all other mythological symbols on the planet that's that's going to be you know multiple episodes obviously yes. we're probably going to have to you know pick a specific part of the world and mythology and kind of dig into the similarities and show mm-hmm, what, yeah. what, what came in between. And cause it seems that we're going to be able to have certain guests on that have a very solid understanding on the passage of time and the specific roots and, and I don't know the, the traveling habits of tribes and where these names and languages went from one place to another mm-hmm. and where to follow it let's see like what i said in to... the beginning we, we're gonna go into some kind of unknown territory almost here because uh, the people who has been sitting with eeyore and can you imagine the time i mean we guys have only been into the box saga for just you know, it's it's such it's such a new subject, but we have a lot of material to go with. But it's true. It's gonna be very interesting to see what the other people can come to the table with uh, that are like, because that's the thing with the box saga. I think uh, you know <laughs> the the value in one human becomes very important because it's this compressed version mm. that is the most interesting i think when i when i if you if you ask like a 80 year old guy on on something he's gonna he's gonna talk about uh, you know about it from a life experience perspective and mm. compress it really good and this is what i hope we can try to achieve here to try to really compress the information into the best format uh, because there are the tapes of year when he go through every sound and all of this. And I don't think we're going to do this kind of thing because it's more a solo. Yeah. We will see. We will see where it goes. We we, well, <laughs> we don't really know. <laughs> no, I, I would definitely like to have one of those guests that come on here uh, go through the language system with us. So that way we can kind of ask questions and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some of the things might be harder for the normal people to understand so it, it would be good to be able to ask those questions and then have them go over the whole language system and put the 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 circle on on the screen so they they can see it when we talk about it okay yeah yeah uh i stress to you guys multiple times you know visual learners will benefit a lot from you know screen sharing and and some visualizations and stuff like that because this is it's 
there's a lot to piece together and it's, there's a lot of pieces at once that you kind of have to keep in mind. And, um, but yeah, we can get into what it suggests about the, the ice time. Um, let's see that around this old North pole known as hell was the first ring land called Odin Ma with a diameter of approximately 250 kilometers. Udin. Do we know do we know why Odin Ma is the word for the sun? Because it seems like what Box Saga will do for us is to show us where things come from linguistically. But where what is that from originally? Is it some <laughs> sort of perhaps like a like a a mantra? Because it sounds I, almost like oh you know? Yeah, Udin but the the, the, the ooh sound is clearly the ring. Mm. And oh, then the circle of the mouth. Then is like it mm. in Swedish. Then, then det, then, then saken, or then you know it's 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 that ring. Okay, <laughs> okay, <Gotcha. All> right. <laughs> it means that that circle in the sky, that yeah. big thing in the that sky. That thing. <laughs> Who then? <laughs> okay. Who then? Oh. Who that? Yeah. oh then all right that the box saga offers material proof that directly under the north pole during the big bang creation of our planet earth planet earth and due to the centrifugal forge a huge cone-shaped space formed inside the expanding magma that over eons this big hole was transformed into a storehouse and filled with precious artifacts that were offered up in appreciation to hell by the people of the earth and is in fact a museum of the history of the human being made from gold and precious stones which have everlasting properties that inside the cone shaped space should be a golden spiral road descending many kilometers to its bottom which should be bigger than Udin Ma itself that within the wall of this golden spiral roadway should be many rooms, each with three chambers full of precious artifacts that had been offered to hell during a soul, Bakken, uh, Baldur's breeding lifetime, about 50 years, and a full-size golden statue of him should stand in front of its door. The entrance to these Bach family treasure chambers is also the Lemminkainen or Solbakken Baldur's temple, situated about 23 kilometers east of Helsinki. So that's really interesting. That's a huge point of interest for me, the actual site, the excavation mm-hmm. site of Lemminkainen, and the fact that this is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the first time that the box saga has a direct run-in with mythology that is accepted by the Finnish already in another context. Well. This dig is a is a big uh, story. Uh, that's that's uh, what the group has been doing. You know, they have been trying to excavate into this uh, temple, and they had a really really good run there yeah. in the beginning. But uh, I see from what I've heard, there has been there was this American guy who wanted to make like an institution out of it. And they he wanted everyone involved in this thing to sign some kind of paper on uh, that everything that 
was inside of the temple should belong to this kind of foundation. Not good. And uh, when they, uh, you know, declined this, all of a sudden, this guy started to import huge amount of uh, hash, also hashish, and uh, the police came, <clears throat> came in. Both Michelle and Jim spent time in uh, in Finnish prison for this. Uh, it's some kind of, for me, this is a, a sabotage. Uh, but sounds like it. So it has been sort of standing still since then. They want to, they want to really get to this golden door that are the entrance into the Lemminkainen temple. Because at that point, if they're gonna open this temple, it's like checkmate. Yeah, dude. But because so- also uh, what they found there in the beginning, this is not so well documented, and that's a big shame. Uh, Eeyore said that. In the entrance to this <coughs> temple, there was going to be like three, uh, three stone slabs mm. in different uh, material. And uh, when they started to drill there, there was three stone slabs that they had to uh, take out that was blocking the entrance. And uh, on the left side, when they came in uh, across those stone slabs, they found a checkerboard marking on the left, like a checkerboard, uh, like the Freemasons has in there. Can I stop you for a second? And Andy, can, <laughs> yeah. can you pull up a picture of Lemminkainen Temple so when he goes over this, we can kind of have a, a diagram of it? Yes. You guys seeing this, right? Oh, that's that's the mythological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same well, so and that's also what I was asking about because it seems like this is the first run-in with the uh, pre-accepted mythology already. Like Lemminkainen is something yes. already. Oh, this is yeah, like- but that that's a that's another. You know, uh, Finland was is only like hundred years old, and uh, when Sweden broke off from uh, uh, when Finland broke off from Sweden, they wanted to establish their own. Uh, identity uh, like mm-hmm. their own they wanted to have their own like uh, mythos and all of this and uh, so there was a huge effort in trying to build up this kind of uh, folk folklore folk tale and they were collecting there was people going around in Finland and uh, listening to stories that people has been having within their families and so so I think this is around the same time when Tolkien also was very interested in this mm. entire thing. So, oh, okay. but this is you can see here if you put the take the image up in the left there. I think it's a good one or some of them. Wait, so this one right here. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's a good one. Or the one. That... But our 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 pictures are over it. If you can uh, move our pictures to the left or uh, enlarge it. I'm just gonna. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you see that uh, um, it said that the stone there to the right is called a sundial stone. It's supposed to be balanced on on three stones. Uh-huh. It said so. So what Jim did, he wanted to clear off all the dirt underneath it, but the people were like, "No, no, no, it's gonna fall over." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> 
he was sure that uh, the story must be correct. But anyway, there's there's a water lock here. That's why there's so much water. There's supposed there's supposed to be a water lock inside the temple there that you can unplug so you can drain out all the water. Oh, wow! But uh, they haven't found that. But it in- it's interesting that they found this uh, hell wrestling. We call it uh, this kind of a checkerboard. Uh, uh, it's a checkerboard, uh, like engraving into the side there to the left. Mm. Yeah, that's very strange. And this, this is uh, behind rock that had not been uncovered previously. That's yeah. That's this waterlock thing kind of reminds me of the Oak Island Swamp. Yeah, I I, I feel the same thing. I I follow been following that also a little bit. Mm. But uh, this is where they did the Ette Stupa also from on top of that stone. The, the highest stone there also right right yeah right. explain explain uh at a stupa yeah don't go full at a stupa <laughs> no but the, at the stupa stories that uh, they didn't want people to you know when they couldn't support themselves with a stick anymore then it was time to go to the stupa <laughs> So the, the the stick is sort of one symbol for the old grandmother or grandfather that is it's uh, closing in, you know. So so it's the it's time to like really, you know, give them time to tell what they want to say, you know, and all of this. It's a symbol of that final time, you know. But it's a it's one ritual that also with the at the stupa. It's a Mm-hmm. It's one suicide recipe, but yeah, it's a. They didn't. They they wanted people to be able to take care of themselves, you know. Yeah, it it's seems a, like the the message is that the culture prided themselves by absolute independence of some kind. Yeah, on, at least on that level, on an individual level. Yes. Um, let's see. So that a third golden statue of a buck goat plus the regalia of the king and queen of Finland were taken north to Kajani and buried in the year 1248 AD in the center of the courtyard of Kajani Castle. Yeah. You can uh, pull up Kajani Castle. It, you can yeah, see it. Yeah. Search for Kajani Castle. It's, it's the most northern castle in the world, actually. And... Uh, the Santa Claus stories come from when where when uh, they are staying up here. This one, yeah. This a, most of this is like a remake. You see that one with the river there is pretty nice. Uh, from the riverside, when it blew water. Can't blow there's it. a there's a full screen button on it on the picture to the right of it. Where? Oh, uh, when you go click on it again. Opening. That they are built, they are built a, a railroad all across this, and uh, the it's supposed to be uh, supposed to be hidden in the in mm. the in the well on this in this castle. But it's uh, when the, when the Catholics rolled in, it, they said that the Bok family stayed here up here in the Kajane. It's way up in the north of Finland. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I want to visit this place. It's not too far from where I live, actually. I mentioned Box Saga in some group. I think it was on a Telegram. And 
some guy from that lived in Finland was like, I'm going to go there, go to Lemminkainen and tell me where it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want to in this involved actually. Dude. Well, wasn't there, <clears throat> I can't remember the guy's name, but I feel like there was a documentary done called back to Lemminkainen. Oh, mm-hmm. is it this guy? I think he got kicked off uh, YouTube now. Oh yes, that, I saw it on his own site. I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was like Thank a whole se- like a document documentary series, basically, and I think it took place just a few years ago, and it seemed like there was an excavation going on. Um, oh. he was talking with um, with Michelle, and the whole thing right. was was there. So I'm not sure Must how. Not sure how how it's operating right now in 21, but. This was probably, I think it released in like 2017. So I'm not sure. There, there was a new one that took place, I believe, in 2020. Uh, they were back out there uh, spraying it down and uh, trying to uh, spray the rocks with water so they could try to get into something there. They also wanted and, to beautify uh, the outside as well to bring more attention to it, I think. We will... Uh, we're gonna ask those questions uh, to like Michelle and and yeah. the others uh, who are really involved. Uh, I re- even uh, yeah, <laughs> I've been sending out some ravens. <laughs> so that fifty million and ten thousand years before nineteen eighty four A.D., the axis of the Earth and the galaxy shifted and started the ice age that mm. lasted for fifty million years. And the galaxy. And yeah. the galaxy. That's an interesting the, one. Yeah, that's that's what they talk about. The entire galaxy system changed. So it's a, mm. a, 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 even one leap further, you know. <laughs> wow. That this 50 million year period was known as Alt Land Is, or All Land Ice. And for those just listening and aren't familiar, the term looks to be very similar to Atlantis with the L and the T switched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During which time the people living in Udenma became trapped inside a hole in the ice with walls that were kilometers high and kept ice free because of the Gulf Stream originating in the Gulf of Mexico. That during this Altlandis period came into creation Arctic plants, animals, and agricultural systems including domestic animals that during this 50 million year period, those people living in the ice free tropical parts of our planet divided into 10 races with 10 mythologies and languages that from the direct descendants of this first family came all the different tropical King houses and procreative systems that after the 50 million year Atlantis period, the inhabitants of Udenma emerged from the hole in the ice as a blue, green eyed, pale skinned Arctic race. And that all our Arctic kings descended from this new pale skinned race emerging from Udenma. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of what we have been talking about a little bit before, yes. you know. It, uh... That the people in Finland lived according to this old pagan system up to the time of the Nordic Catholic Crusades of 1050 AD, after which this old box saga was first allowed to be told outside the family by its last member, Eeyore Bach. That 
After ice time, members of the Bach family went out from Udinma to create different procreative systems on our planet, including Sven and Dan, which we've all covered and we will cover again. Uh, Pharaoh, Krishna, Moses, Buddha, and the parents of Jesus. That Santa comes from Finland and before ice time was the all father to all the people on the planet. And these are not all the claims, I would say, but a good portion of them that they've collected and put up. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot, but it's it's. uh, I'm sort of like say, oh, can we continue the storytelling now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, just to end with like Santa being the last one on the list here just shows how vast this, you know, this thing covers. Yeah. yeah. And interestingly enough, uh, what brought Santa Claus to America was uh, the Danish people that came into the the East Coast uh, and they brought with them the story. Um, and so it, it has expanded from there in America to what it has become now. Yes, it's... Uh... It, it's like the one of the most uh, depicted people still, you know, this All Father Santa Claus uh, is still today such a huge thing. Because all of this offering that was going up to hell and Udenma is, is this, uh, you know, making of handicraft and, uh, and trying to you know, as a pr- appreciation of the, of the All Father and all of this. And we can see it across the board in the especially if you look at the the things that they have been finding here in terms of handicraft and 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 all this kind of artifacts from pre-christianity it's has you know it's in the symbolism of this kind of thing we can bring it we can when we do some kind of symbology program or we can do so many things surrounding this where we can present and show actual things that uh, has been coming out from like the archaeological community and, you know, stuff like this, I think is very important in the long run to show people that look, because the most important thing we need to establish is the understanding of the saga. So we can, when we look at things, we can, you know, see what I, what I'm trying to say because yeah. it's so it's so heavy when when it comes in, comes into the archaeological uh, and symbolical side with the rune stones and picture stones and all these kind of mm-hmm. things that you can find the tangible uh, the alpha alphabet all father bait yeah yep we need to bet the hook of the all father like we say <laughs> it's like a yoke you know he bet right. the uh, other things would include the fact that they have been finding mummies with red and blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, many civilizations all over the planet say that uh, Caucasian <laughs> people with light hair and blue eyed came to help their civilizations um, grow and uh, taught them different things and the plow and how to harvest and, you know, yeah. all that different stuff. And so you can see even in the archaeological record and the stories of these other places, they revere these Caucasian people as gods to them. And so it's very interesting that this comes out 
because this shows you where those people came from and who yeah. they were. Right. It's 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 just another perspective, but it's so substantial, you know. And I mean, I I don't feel that I am crazy about it because it's so. It I think this is more not crazy to like follow than some kind of alien story or yeah. I mean I mean it's uh it's just an, a, a different perspective more logical yes very much more human more more general it's, it's only about people that's that's the huge thing about it, it, it it's it's a story about people mostly this mm-hmm. entire box saga and to me whenever we look at ancient history in the eye of extraterrestrial ideas and things like that. It's just, those aren't our thoughts. Those are our experiences in the modern age with sci-fi literature and movies and things like that. That's not what we would attach to any of these ancient ideas. If we didn't have modern rocketry and things like that. And I know that, kind of flipping it on its head where it's like our modern culture does not dictate that of the past and we've been told or what's being pushed is the opposite like hey who says they couldn't have rockets back then it's like i don't think that's what we're getting at here i i i I tend to that would be very 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 weird if they were sitting around watching tv back then because (laughs) they would that's television and like your style of technology is personal to you and those who are interacting with you it's a form of artwork it's like a a mechanism that you're building is a form of art because it gets things done it does a job so no one's going to have that same coincidental formation like no one's going to come up with television or something like that from the past you know what i mean am i am i hitting on the right point there where like (laughs) no one's going to repeat the same specific technology to our time period i don't know if i 100 100 agree with with you on that one but that's okay uh (laughs) i mean i think in in ancient times they talk about magic mirrors which could be okay. related to a television or a phone. And, you know, they have other things that were technology to them, though uh, energy and electricity, I believe, was a technology. Right. And they were building canals and they're building, um, uh, what, what's it called, like piping and stuff like that, uh, aqueducts and all these other different things. And it wasn't technology to, like, keep you busy for the day or you know because you had the day off it was technology to help civilization grow and be better so i guess i was uh, more talking about the distractive shit like uh yeah (laughs) but but i also think that alchemy (laughs) alchemy was a technology of the time too that has since gone away the combining of materials and getting uh and creating a new thing uh, with alchemy and stuff like that, I think alchemy was a very big deal, and that's a, one of the reasons why the the church has deemed it as an evil thing and got a, away from it and demonized it and burned all the witches and 
you know, all that stuff to send yeah. an example, not to practice it anymore because it's a heathen way. And, and that is, I think the technology that we have lost that we don't understand anymore, uh, that alchemy and combining things together and creating new things is, is what we have a hard time understanding nowadays. It's like, how did the, how are they able to do these things? Well, they, they had alchemy and we don't, we have no really idea about that anymore. That's a good point. Yeah. But this it's like a nature knowledge or it's a more, yeah, it's uh, I'm thinking like, with nature, like his metallurgy, for example, is uh, one of the crafts that the author were really good at. I even think that the steel came out from it, you know, like the, because I can see a lot of this development that has been going on the last thousands of years uh, come from the war development, you know, with mm -hmm. the, those uh, conflicts between clashes of civilization or what you can say. And you can really see, like in the 1500s, there was a lot of development within the what we call technology. Um, and it's all rooted into war, as I see it. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that the technology is like something that are being developed in times of need, you know, when we need, we need it for, for, for a purpose. And we sort of get the off what what ha what's the being handed down to us in our hands or, and in our daily use is just byproducts from the metal. Uh, I mean, uh, from the war machine mm. <clears throat> in many ways. So mm. I don't think they needed so much technology back then. They, it was no need for for television and and all of this because. There wasn't the same kind of war culture that we have today, or how how I'm gonna say this. It's just yeah, I think they probably had pretty good uh, astronomical technology too for being yeah, able to probably. view the stars and uh, look up at the sky, and uh, you know, because it is a sky clock, we're looking at everything outward, and we need to look at anything everything inward, and realize outside in the universe as above so below right those planets those planetary bodies that are circling around the sun in the heliocentric model are in effect creating the personalities of the humans that are that's why astrology you know the sign that you're from has a distinct personality trait to you because you come from that part of of the uh, the galaxy, the universe, or whatever, and yeah, what what the position of those planets, what they're in, kind of determines like what's going to happen in the future. And I think that's why they're able to prophesize uh, yeah. before. But and also, that's why those, prophecy uh... has been lost is because they no longer know how to read the stars in the same way as what they used to. I'm just thinking of when we're talking about technology, they had those uh, three crystal balls that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. And uh, one is a crystal ball that they used during paradise time and uh, another one during Atlantis. Uh, and then they had this third that is uh, for the future. 
And I think it's very interesting because it's, they are so unique in their structure. They are described like they are like one crystal ball like this, but inside you have this prism, or prism like this is central, prism. another one inside of that. And they were using, it's described in the saga that they use those crystals like in one fashion where they take like a hair. That's why hair uh, in Swedish is hår. And, and that's why we have the horoscope, or horoscope we call it. Oh. Uh, because they, in some kind of fashion with a candle and a hair, a piece of hair and this crystal ball, you could do something. And uh, I'm very curious to see those because th- those are buried also in Finland in one box that uh, are supposed to be dug up also. So maybe at one point, <laughs> point when we can dig up those artifacts and we can do see. Do you think? Do you think maybe that there was three crystal balls for the three Caucasian? Uh, uh, I, races, I have no idea. I, and I then think that, ten for the tropical races because I don't know. That kind of goes into the idea of the thirteen crystal skulls. Perhaps I have no idea, but I know that there was one that they used in Paradise and one in Atlantis period, and then there's this future ball, and it was the Siena or the Gypsy uh, type that used uh, those. the gypsies, and yeah. the, the that goes into like the fortune tellers using the yeah. crystal ball too. Yeah, idea. but there, there's yeah. some kind of uh, mechanism in this and uh, you can look at this as technology, I would say. Yeah. Some kind of weird technology that we don't really understand. Well, they, they very <laughs> much understood how to use like the crystals and piezoelectric energy and stuff like that under pressure. Yeah. I think that's why they use such heavy, heavy blocks on the, on the load-bearing uh structures that they've made not just because they were stronger and more harder to crack or break because they were so big and also to set a foundation but also part of it i think was to put pressure on the ground below which they could have put crystals and stuff and created a piezoelectric energy who knows what they understood <laughs> i mean who knows what they understood about the earth and its properties. I mean, it's, they, it's said that they moved heaven and earth. I mean, it's, there's so much that we can uh, uncover, I think. Uh, and it, the, the, the thing about Bog Saga that makes it so interesting is that it's an ongoing thing. It's on, it's on live. It's a mythology in this, because it's, it's a, a living thing, you know, like if you go to India, you have, you can talk about their mythology with sort of anyone there. And uh, it's an, it's a living thing. And now with the box saga, it also becomes resurrected in one way. And uh, people are engaged with the practical things like the temple there. And you can also look at the, these two other places like Kayani. And uh, there's also one Offerlund uh, on Vino, I think, where there's supposed to be planted three oak trees and under in the middle down there is supposed to be the crystal balls i think mm. so so they have been trying to dig up you know the people we are going to bring on can tell stories about what has been happening so Excellent. we can get a more clear 
history be, behind everything because I haven't been there. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. a curious Swedish guy who popped up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be very interesting to see what we can drag out of those people who has been on the place and has been doing work and yeah. invested time into this. So. I think it'll be fascinating. Yeah. Just, yeah. just to hear yeah, what they have still- to say. People with yeah. the Google sitting here, you know. <laughs> 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 but hey, we'll uh, be doing live uh, live recordings from Lemminkainen Temple someday. Yeah, perhaps <laughs> next summer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, we need well, to be there at the grand opening. So yeah, yeah. So how should we wrap this up, guys? I yeah, mean, I think it, that was uh, pretty well done. Um, I think it got a lot of points out there. Uh, of describing like what the saga is about and uh we can elaborate more on that now with with these guests and they can just go ahead and tell their stories of whatever they want to tell yeah and it'll it'll be absorbed i mean people if you listen to the show don't listen to like an episode and go i don't fucking get it listen to a few episodes listen to several episodes follow us the whole time all the way through you will start to understand more and more. And if you already have like a historic history background and understand some type of religion or belief system, you're going to, you're going to see some of that stuff in, in this story also. And you're going to start to be able to put different things together that you probably didn't think were together before. And uh, that's, that's when your eyes start to get open and realize, Oh, this is, this is it then this is like where everything there, came from there's something to it that's that's the thing it's like you like i say it's like this a little warning because it almost becomes a haunting thing especially for a guy like me who lives in sweden who are surrounded by it and that's that's a big thing but uh, i don't know it, it's just uh such a, a, a topic that everyone can take something from it doesn't matter what culture you come from or what uh, place mm-hmm. or i mean it's it's a it's a it's a a mythology that is for all people it's a gift the final gift from the author to the honor in one way yeah i think a lot of people because of the the caucasian and aryan and white talk they feel like it might be racist or uh Psy-op-y. white centric <laughs> you know to say oh white people are the best or whatever and i really don't feel like that's the case at all no no they I are portrayed like, like the bad guys almost in this story so yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. every flip out story in this story comes from the author people like uh, jesus and mm-hmm. moses and uh, krishna and all all of this a catastrophe, what they call like uh, bad events in Boxaga perspective, or they are also responsible in one way for it. So it's it's mm. not like they are pointing fingers at anyone or like saying those people were uh, better than the others. And you know, it's it's just a yeah. it's just a collection of knowledge that has been compressed and you know into. Uh, throughout history right you know it's it's a it's a mythology it's a yeah. it's a living history and culture inside one 
system that creates this kind of story. It's such a huge thing when you go into it with the sound system and how it brings forth the entire system that they used during the heathen, because it's all based on the sound system. And that's the important, the most important cornerstone in this, because the sound system creates the story of the box saga. And the yes. system and the procreation system, it's all in the mathematics and the linguistics of the mathematics. Uh, you know, it's, it's all uh, inter-correspondent uh, or how you, you say it. It's, it's interlocking and it's all based on, on uh, nature. It's based on, on uh, geometry. And like, like it said, it's, it's not created by man. It's created by a stick and a, and a circle. Right. Mm-hmm. So... It's going to, excuse me, it's going to take a number of episodes to really talk ourselves around Box Saga enough to to really establish like a a foundation. And our guests are really going to help us build that foundation with all their different perspectives. So this was a great first episode, I think, though. And I hope people people like it. Confused. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope everyone's very confused, but intrigued enough to come back for the next one. Yeah, and also, I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't go search out some of this information on your own. Uh, exactly. I, mean, I recommend getting there. the book and reading through the book. It's yeah. super interesting. There's a lot more stuff in there that you can't find in the videos and stuff. You can and, put uh, links in maybe in one way. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. yeah. We'll put lots some, of links. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We'll have some stapled links that will be there at all times, like probably boxsaga.info because yeah, it's yeah. kind of their portal. hub. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. Um, Yake, do you have any uh, place for the people to get in ta- contact with you or find uh, you? Well. <laughs> or do you want to be found? Uh, well. Well, we have an email. I have email, but, uh, you know, <laughs> just go through. We should have like a common email. Almost. We do. We do. We do? I can, I set one up and I'll, <clears throat> it's on Proton Mail, which. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. I'll, and I'll you uh, can... send you guys the info so we can access it. So what's, like what's the ROC email? Then, it's uh... just roots of creation at protonmail.com. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Send all the questions there and we come back. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you have any questions about this uh, Roots of Creation podcast, we can uh, we can even have like this Telegram where people can come in. Yeah, actually, yes. we could just um, either start a new one or open up ours to others or something. However, yeah, we want to do something it. like it. Either way, we've been chatting the three of us in in Telegram about this for months. So yeah. it's yeah. nice to have it finally come to fruition, gentlemen. Yeah, it's yeah. great, man. Yeah, I think this uh, this is gonna be one uh, exploration. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to try to do what twice a month or once a month or something for now at least. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. As yeah. long as uh, if Yake can keep bringing us guests, we'll keep doing <laughs> keep doing shows as often as uh, you know, in accordance to their schedules and stuff like that. You know, I mean, uh, that's what we have to try to do: be available for for the guests when they're available so that we can get them on the show and talk to them and we can put them out when we need to put them out. But as far as, as that goes, like, you know, we want to try to be, uh, helpful and not, you know, yeah. Opposite of that. I think it's, uh, we won't get any further. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
you know the book saga is always like that you know it doesn't matter with the topic you take within the saga we're always gonna have something to talk about because it's yeah. such a it's such a huge uh, topic the and entire and, thing very Andy, fractal. where can they find you well i'm over at the deep share podcast uh so you can get me at uh, contact at the deep share.com or yeah yes if you want to send me an email <laughs> You can find me at the Deep Share podcast on Instagram or the Deep Share on Twitter. Um, that's about it. And you have a YouTube channel. Yes, I do. You, I uh, Deep Share does have a YouTube channel. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that until later. And I actually watched uh, an episode on that. I've watched several, but uh, I, I found it a little bit more valuable, especially with some of the guests that show a lot of pictures and stuff. Yeah. Um, it was really helpful to see the pictures when while they were talking also, which is I'm glad that we're doing this one on video um, also because it we can really use those visual aids. And help yeah, you. we're definitely going to have a lot of that, I think. Uh, yeah, even some of those, some of the guests that you've that you mentioned uh, from the episodes of my show that we're doing it. There's a couple of my previous guests that I think. Uh, and probably yours too, that we'll probably want to eventually have on after, you know, later down the road too. who knows where this will go specifically, but we're definitely going to branch off and kind of envelop the entire human story. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I am uh, Danny Unaki Dan, and you can find me on rising from the ashes. And we have uh, Instagram and telegram and, we have a link tree set up on the Instagram. You can find us at RFTA podcast and uh, you can get in touch with us there if you want to. Killer telegram too. Yeah. Killer. Te- I mean, there's not very <laughs> many people in it yet, but uh, it's good stuff. Eventually, eventually <laughs> growing. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into roots of creation and we'll see you next time. 